0: guys hello we are finally back at it again
1: yes we are back at it again it's been a little while it has been a while i feel like it must be like three months maybe i think our last episode came out in july but we have returned due to popular popular demand much like you know when an artist adds a second date to like a tour that's what we've done we've listened we've heard and we've kind of come back
0: Exactly. So guys, as you well know, loads of popular artists, they go by album. We are going by season. So welcome
1: (laughs) to season two, episode one. Yes, Laura. I don't know why you're laughing. This is very serious. We are indeed on season two. We feel like seasons, I feel like, you know, look, we did take a break over the summer. It kind of ended up being like it was fairly unintentional, Laura. I don't think we ever had an actual conversation about what was going to happen over the summer but it just we had a lot of things going on individually in our lives and then we actually did try to make an episode before and we had technical issues and it was this whole thing and then yeah it just see it it was like a impromptu hiatus but it was nothing more than that and we have returned we are bigger we're better and we're back
0: we are and most importantly alex cannot believe you have got to say we're brighter guys we're bigger better brighter we're back (laughs) all the bees all all these but yes as Alex was saying sure Al and I knew exactly why we weren't recording because this isn't just for show Alex and I somehow are friends in real life as well I know how Mm. with like so much personality in one podcast how can that translate into real life it does guys it does so we knew what was going on our apologies to you if you're still with us but we are back for the long haul and we are excited to get back into everything again
1: yeah and I have missed it and I've missed engaging with the audience that sounds pretentious when you say it like that but you know what I mean like I missed I missed doing it I missed recording with you every week Laura and then I also missed just the general sort of like I feel like when you see when you when making this podcast I feel like I look at the world through the lens of making a podcast so something would happen I'm like oh we could talk about that on the podcast or this would happen I'm like oh and I missed all that I missed thinking about it and I missed preparing for it and it is a pleasure to be back
0: it is guys like we've missed the creative outlet so I think let's just get straight into it and I'll like let's talk about it what are we going to talk about today
1: Okay so our first topic on the agenda this week is of course Shane Dawson and Jeffree Star's new YouTube docu-series So it's basically this nine-part series it's on Shane Dawson's channel it's not on Jeffree Star's channel Jeffree Star is very much a main character and actually I would almost argue is the main character in that show I'm going to call it a show as well but it's not on the channel. It's on Chain's. It's a nine part series. We've had three so far. And it's basically chronicling their journey from if you had seen their previous series, in which they kind of jokingly kind of acknowledged the fact that Shane would be able to make a palette and it would sell. Focusing on them actually creating that palette and the journey that it brings them on. It chronicles all the drama that happened in May that we also made a podcast about. So the whole Taddy Westbrook thing and James Charles that will be eventually addressed in the series. But it's hugely entertaining and it's hugely addictive and i don't know whether it's the very nature of it like a youtube series but i'm back on board with it and it's totally engrossed so
0: for anyone who hasn't kind of invested in the newest docuseries watched the last one or even if you didn't watch the last one a lot of people that I've been speaking to it about are saying oh well do they not just cover everything in the first series the great thing is about this one is that it's taking a whole new route into a different side of the industry that Jeffree Star is so heavily involved with so before pretty much the whole series was just chronicling Jeffree's rise to where he was being you know like the king of beauty practically particularly in, in North America and Now it's actually chronicling the journey of creating beauty products. You know, the profit that goes with it, the overhead, all of the financial issues around it, everything to do with marketing, everything to do with the promotion. It's so fascinating to see it from a business perspective, because that hasn't been done yet in the beauty industry. No one is talking about the amount of money that they're making from their products. No one is talking about how much that they are putting into each individual palette and how much that they are then profiting back. It's so fascinating. And these three episodes alone, particularly the third episode, which was my favorite because it discussed the most... it it did a huge breakdown on what Shane should earn if he was just to release a palette and if he wasn't going to release anything else on the makeup scale. And Al, I don't know what your opinions are so far, but I am loving it. It's so fascinating.
1: Yeah, I'm loving it too. I feel like it's very, like you said, I feel like it hits a lot of zones. So like, I'm not into makeup. I don't put on makeup. I don't wear makeup. I have no dealings with makeup. But that doesn't mean that I can't acknowledge the power that makeup has in our world. And it's fascinating to see someone like Jeffree Star build basically an empire off of the beauty industry. And it's fascinating. And it's so... not that. See, I would have had very little experience with him before I kind of knew who he was, but I had no idea like the internet of his life before the first docu-series. And it's so interesting to see him at work. And you do get a real sense of who he is as a business person, but also the like detailings of the goings-on about how you go about creating a product and selling it and shipping it and all that jazz. And obviously this is all helped by the fact that they're internet celebrities. The power of celebrity is as powerful as it ever was. And that is a huge driving force behind that selling. But it's so good to see that actually... Across the board, Jeffree Star's products seem to be actually incredibly well-made. Research the formulas he always talks about, is incredible. Like This isn't cheap shit that they've put a name on. This is like really well-made product and it's great to see.
0: It really is because there's a particular part then of the third episode where they're talking about the markup that they get between how much it costs that they put into the palette and then how much they're getting a profit from. Usually, people tend to get... I'm trying to remember exactly the percentage that they gave. So say, for instance, some companies would get a huge profit. They would get like 60% profit on the product that they are putting out in the market, like per pallet. But Jeffrey is only getting roughly 30% of a profit because he's putting more money into the formula that he's creating. And he's putting more money into the packaging because he wants the quality to go out because... What's really interesting that I think a lot of other business people should be following suit with is the fact that he wants the best quality product to go out that his name is being tied to, not because he wants to make the most amount of money, but because he wants the product to last and he wants the reputation to be built and for it to stay there. And so many people don't do that because, as even Jeffrey was saying in the series, a load of people will have things marketed a lot, you know. At a lot cheaper. So you think like, oh yeah, this is going to be bought out loads. But if the quality isn't there, people aren't going to be going back for it. People aren't going to refer that. They're not going to want to use that. They're not going to advertise it. But if you're spending a few, a few dollars extra in particular, because let's we're going with dollars because everything in the show is based in USD. But if you're going to make it that little bit more expensive, you're going to go for it if the quality is there. So I'm really liking the tact that he takes towards his business. And you could even see that when he's talking about the fact that he owns all of his own merch company and his printing press and everything, everything he does in-house. And there's a reason why he's a billionaire now because he clearly has such a good brain for this,
1: yeah. and his business brain is really on show. I think in this I think in the first season, like you said earlier, it was more to do with his character and where he how he got to where he is now. This is way more engaging with him as a business persona. And then also Shane's interaction with that business persona because probably beforehand it had been a fairly, it was a friendship, you know, so it was, they were friends. Whereas now they're also business partners and that's really interesting to see as well. I must admit that I actually prefer Jeffree Star as a character. He's the one who I I'm watching for him. I actually am. watching for Shane Dawson which is strange because I think everyone loves Shane and I like Shane too but I find him a little bit grating at times whereas someone like Jeffrey, I find super charismatic and super just interesting as a person and the more he's on the screen the better
0: I agree that I definitely think Jeffrey is more charismatic I enjoy watching the two of them equally personally just because say for instance I've been watching only I've only been watching Shane's videos actually since December of 2018 when he started his docu, his various docu series and from since then I've pretty much I've I've watched hundreds of his videos to be perfectly honest I've gone down that rabbit hole that is YouTube and I've watched a lot of his stuff and I think he's very entertaining and I think he's very relatable and one thing that I'm actually really enjoying from the series is Shane has this massive kind of character that he puts through where he's like really self-deprecative and he you know takes the piss out of himself and he insults himself and kind of like shames himself whether it be by his weight or his like his uh, physical appearance in any way and you can see how that's not really just a character when at one stage Jeffrey is talking about he's like okay well let's say you have the same launch as you would the blood sugar palette the blood sugar palette being another of Jeffrey's own palettes and Shane was like no of course I won't like it would never be that big but the funny thing is he's completely just overlooking the fact that he has over 22 and a half million subscribers on youtube alone then look at his combined followers on be it instagram and twitter like he has such a huge following and he doesn't realize the fact that people are so interested in him as well that when you get to the episode two or what is it episode no apologies episode one when they go to a morphe store opening um in sacramento in california and everyone is chanting shane's name even though it is technically a jeffrey store like opening and not just you know jeffrey and shane so i think it's so interesting the fact that like this guy like clearly doesn't actually think a lot of himself and that's not actually just for show and i think it's really interesting to be able to see that being unveiled in it as well as it being a docuseries on you know jeffrey being charismatic and things being made so it's it's just really interesting to kind of see who these people actually are
1: yes definitely and now the question that i will ask you laura if this palette is available in Ireland are you purchasing or are you merely you know kind of watching from the sidelines to be honest
0: the only reason I will invest because I do support Shane um, because I enjoy his content I think he's a very good creator I will invest if I like the colors because I'm not a huge makeup person I wear makeup like to be honest if I even wear it once a week it is that's that's you know that's strange for me I'm just I'm not a makeup person but considering the fact that I don't tend to invest in makeup often, I wouldn't mind splashing out on something that I can see lasting minimum two years. So if it is a colour palette that I can see myself using, I will definitely invest. But otherwise, I, I'm i not going to lie, he has this amazing mirror coming out, guys, and it's a pig face. Because for anyone who, like, keeps an eye on jeffrey's you know, own makeup account, makeup channel on YouTube. He has this iconic star-shaped mirror, but they're doing a collab where they're doing a pig face, and I freaking love that. I kind of really want that mirror.
1: Yeah, the pig mirror is, like, incredible. It was actually something before I even seen the series. I was like, he has to make a pig mirror. Like, there has to be a pig mirror. And when you see it, it's like, okay, yeah, it's it's funny, but also, like, it's also iconic. And like you said, every video that's on Jeffrey's channel, especially any makeup videos, he has his little mirror and he does this little, like, swoosh-wash thing. And says his little saying, and it's like that. The fact that Shane's is going to have his own version of that is just is re- actually. I'm smiling even thinking about it because I he deserves that. I feel like he's a nice person, and I'm I'm very happy for the two of them. And I hope it's a huge. So suggestion. do I. To be
0: honest, I think it's going to continue to be a very interesting series because the first three episodes alone, I I binged. They were really interesting. So guys, if you haven't watched them so far, I do recommend them because even if you're not a makeup person, there's a lot going on within it. That's just very. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff you can take home from the series. It's very interesting. Some of it's very relatable. Jeffrey's super charismatic and yeah, I think it's worth the watch. I at the moment am giving it a solid eight out of ten.
1: I'm not gonna rate it, but all I'm saying is I am like literally checking Shane Dawson's Twitter every day to make sure that he's not like, oh, the new one's out now, because I'm that obsessed.
0: Okay, Al. So hmm. I think let's start talking about why I think people are really listening, like what they're here for. Who
1: they're here for. Who they are here for. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess we will move on. And we will address the elephant in the room. It's all anyone is talking about. It's, I don't know. I'm actually unfamiliar with the box office numbers, but I've heard it's broken October release records. I am, of course, talking about The Joker starring Joaquin Phoenix, which came out last week. And we have both been to see it. We have.
0: So Alex has seen it twice now. And I went with Alex recently enough. And... So, like, we'll, we'll get into the whole plotline and everything soon, but I just want to talk about my kind of immediate experience having seen it. All I can say, guys, it is very, very... It's very... Oh, it's it's quite challenging to watch. It's It puts you in quite... Well, for me, at least, it put me in quite an upset place. Like, it really, really, really got to me mentally. Um, Because when we get more into the plotline of it... Because just so you know, guys, this is your spoiler warning. Now, if you haven't seen Joker, well... Keep listening if you want to kind of, you know, see what other people's views are on it, such as, you know, mine and Alex's, but you can't be given out about spoilers now that we've warned you. But all I can say is considering it is an amazing mainstream film for highlighting mental illness issues and societal problems and pressure, it is, it's off the scale for me in terms of I respect it so much for putting, putting a spotlight on an issue that isn't discussed in mainstream film or media or really anything at the moment.
1: Yeah, and that's why I think... Well, look, if anyone is expecting an easy watch, this is not an easy watch. But it's not an easy watch for the reasons that I might have suspected going into it. I was expecting something like hyper-violent and I was scared by what I was going to see. And it's not... Or at least for me, anyway. It's not disturbing in that sense. There's nothing that happens that I'm like, whoa, like that is totally, absolutely batshit crazy and gruesome and bloody and all that stuff. There is obviously violence in here and people do die, newsflash. But nothing to... Like, crazy i don't know if that's coming across but like it's it's nothing too gruesome and i'm quite squeamish so i can't take a lot of that but i wasn't it wasn't that that's upsetting it's more you see his kind of descent and it's like this world is just kicking this man like he's already down and they just keep keep kicking him metaphorically and also physically until he eventually breaks and he snaps and his persona is not, it actually isn't even a persona, he becomes the Joker because you know the line I think, do you know the line he says on the talk show? I can't remember it off oh, the top of my head.
0: it's iconic guys to be honest and there was two parts in the film where I actually felt like crying because it's, very, it's a very harrowing film because Alex is saying it's not gory in any sense. There's a couple of things where you know, where it's bloody but it's never in any way gory so there's not any fear of that when you're going into it but the way how they set it up, it really 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 gets in your head. In the best way possible, but also in the worst way possible. So on the talk show, he's sitting there and Murray, the, the talk show host who play, who's played by Robert De Niro, he is playing a clip that of when Joker was doing stand-up comedy that was filmed and it flopped. So he played it on the show. And, you know, everyone, of course, is laughing and jeering at Joker for the fact that his comedy was woeful. And Joker starts being like, oh, yeah, well, I have my own stand-up comedy with me this week. So he starts saying these jokes and... You know, they're not hitting home. They're not good jokes. They're, you know, they're, they're crude and they're insensitive. So he's like, oh no, I've got one more for you. And Murray, Robert De Niro, says he's like, no, I think you're done. He's like, no, no, just one more. And he goes, what do you get when you cross a mentally ill loner and a society who just treats him like trash and doesn't give a shit about him? And Murray's trying to over, is trying to talk over him. And he goes, he's like, exactly what you fucking deserve. And he shoots him point blank in the head and everyone starts screaming and takes cover and... It's this whole thing. But it's wh- it's when he says that, it's when he says a mentally ill loner with a society who just treats him like trash. I'm like, well, yeah, they did treat him like trash. And I'm not trying to excuse, you know, any form of violence, particularly on a scale like this, even if it is fictional. But you can, it's such a sympathetic film because you can see exactly where his mental decline is coming from.
1: Yeah, exactly that. There's very much a onus on him I actually picked this up and I've watched interviews and they acknowledge it too. There's these big giant steps in the movie. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about where like they are, New York is a crazy city, but it looks endless and I can only imagine climbing these steps to get to your apartment must be exhausting. I was out of breath climbing like my 24 steps in my house, never mind these like huge giant staircase. But you see him struggling I think to get up these stairs much like anyone would, but I think metaphorically he struggles to get up to these steps and he's drags himself up these steps numerous times in the movie. And then at the end, when he finally snaps, you see him dancing down them. And he seems to just revel in the madness of it all. And getting to that point and getting him to that point is hugely, hugely affecting. And it is that's the bit that I think makes an uncomfortable viewing. And especially the first time you watch it, I must admit that it was a much more enjoyable experience for me seeing it the second time because I knew what was happening obviously. Because I think the first time there is an element of, you don't know what this man is going to do. Like he is the Joker. You go in there, regardless of how into DC movies or in superhero movies you are, you go in with an idea of who the Joker is and what he will become. And yes, you kind of do see that like his final form, the last like say 20 minutes of the movie, but up there is, he's not really present up until that point where he adopts the kind of crazy clown act. It's not even an act. It's his truth, really. Like he keeps saying his life is a comedy and he used to think it was a tragedy. The second time, you can kind of enjoy the movie more for what it is. I think I'll be honest. The first time I saw it, I was kind of willing it to be over. I was like, okay, please, end, because you just do not know what's going to come next. And it's done by design, so it's admirable in that sense. But it is not an easy viewing. I
0: completely agree with that. In terms of when I saw it, all I could think in my head is, when is this going to be over? Because I was so uncomfortable. But the thing is, that is quite a feat for a film to be able to achieve that. Because usually when you want to leave a film early, it's because you're bored. I was in no way bored or like, I was, I don't want to say fully entertained because that kind of has the wrong connotation, but I was fully immersed in what was happening. But because I was feeling so uncomfortable physically and mentally, I was like, okay, when is this going to end so that I can leave? Because I need to process. I need to get out of here. I need a whole new space so that I can just disassociate what I've just seen. Because it's, it's very impactful because... Particularly, it's going to impact everyone differently. And so say, for instance, any film or play I've seen that plays a lot on mental health, mental illness in particular, I am affected by quite a bit just for who I am as a person. So I know that that's going to change for each person. But I have read so much online even of how some people are calling for this for this to be not, I don't want to say banned, but people people don't want it available anymore because they're finding it so harrowing and people are finding it, uh, they're finding it that people are using it as an excuse for, you know, acts of violence. And I disagree with that. It's just highlighting, it's highlighting a very severe issue, particularly within society now, because people are even more secluded and excluded even from society because of the way how everything's going because everything is filled with this whole like anger and sadness with what's happening i think it's so important to have this lens out there and viewable for everyone
1: yeah i actually don't want to get into um there's been a lot of controversy around the film about how it is sort of encouraging violence because like we've said you do kind of sympathize with i'm not even going to call him joker because to be honest this movie isn't really about joker until the final 20 minutes it's more about arthur fleck so you definitely do sympathize with Arthur and you feel bad for him and you kind of not understand his, you don't understand his actions, but you definitely understand how he gets put into a place where his actions become, in his mind, a reasonable response to what this world is doing to him. What I won't stand by and have is have people kind of, it's the same thing that we hear about video games where like video games are violent and they lead to violence. Like that's all bullshit. Like that's not what's happening here. And it's not that this movie is in any way encouraging acts of violence and I think if that's how you take it up I don't know where to go from that but that's definitely not I think what the movie is out to do and I think at the end there is maybe a a sense that the world at least is a little bit idolising the Joker you see him standing on top of that cop car and he's adored but it's unintentional and it's not really the arc of this movie isn't that okay he has no one at the start of his life and at the end look at him now he's this leader of this kind of you know unhinged and this kind of part of society that has been abandoned by society these clowns as thomas wayne calls them that's not the arc the arc is far from an ascension in my mind
0: exactly it is following the descent particularly of his mental health and where he is but at the same time it is a very very good and important lens for depicting the fact that people revel in chaos and that there are people out there who are looking for a figurehead to help enable their own sense of you know chaos and violence and everything so if you are given if you are if you are given this spokesperson a lot of people will rally behind them and we see that today in our own society so it's a very good film for having different points of view i agree with alex that the whole point is not to sympathize towards people who act out violence for these causes and for these reasons such as joker does within the film but you know there's a lot there's there's more than one message within the film that can be taken from this and it's just to it's just how how much pressure there is within society and how it affects each person differently. It it's a very, very, very interesting film.
1: Yeah, the level of acting here it really is the fo- this movie is really focused on the character of Arthur Fleck. That's the focus. There isn't there's all this other stuff happening about like, you know, Thomas Wayne's mayorship and then you have his kind of mother's kind of the genealogy of his own family and all this, but that's all really secondary to just him as a character. And it puts Phoenix at the very center of the movie. And it really is a character assessment of his character. And in every scene, every moment he's on in the frame, he just pops. And the acting is undeniable. Uh, Like, by far and away, it it is incredible. He will be nominated, undoubtedly, I think. I feel like there, I don't know if there's any question about him being at least nominated. Whether he wins or not, we'll have to wait and see who else he's against. But, you know, wouldn't be a bad bet, I don't think. However, I would just like to pull and actually just to pick up what you said, sorry, before I diverge somewhere else. Yes. And a very good lens for which we can address the own, our own modern day societal fractures and issues that we have going on in our world now. And I think that's what makes it a good movie is that, yes, okay, it's set in New York in the 70s or the 80s, but actually it's very, very telling of our world now in 2019 and you know, if it makes people address things and talk about things that we should be already talking about it, I'm here for that as well.
0: Exactly. And I think I'm going to move past the, you know, the plot line now and kind of just discuss the film in general, because I will not be surprised if this starts getting nominations now early next year when we start getting back into award season. I think Joaquin's acting was tremendous. It was Now, a lot of people are doing a huge thing of comparing Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix, which I think is unfair because the two characters are very different. And the plot and the character arc between the two characters is very different. So I'm going to avoid doing that personally. But Joaquin's, his own own take on this is magnificent.
1: This movie, like I said earlier, is way more concerned with Arthur Fleck as a character as opposed to the Joker. And I think Heath Ledger plays the Joker and Joaquin Phoenix is playing Arthur Fleck, and they're actually two different characters, or at least that's how I'm competing them in my head, in that it doesn't make much sense to compare the two because, like, this, the Joker as a movie is less concerned with superheroes and sort of crazy supervillains and Batman, and way more concerned with, like we discussed, a society that just is, like, kicking someone as they're already falling down. And Heath Ledger's Joker is way more concerned with this agent of chaos, even more so than Fleck is in the end of the last 20 minutes. Joker is, in The Dark Knight, that is, he lives for chaos. There's this line in The Dark Knight in which Alfred, I believe, says that some men just want to see the world burn. And Heath Ledger's Joker is very much that. And that's not really, it's, it, its you know, these are the but there's a difference, I think, with Joaquin Phoenix's version where it's not so much he just wants everything to blow up. It's almost like he just wants to be noticed. He's craving for people to see him and to feel him and to acknowledge his hardships. And to, hes some of it is actually a cry for help. But then the last 20 minutes is far from it. And it is really, he is willing to watch this whole world burn.
0: Exactly. And a massive thing there to take on for anyone out there who's been, you know, comparing Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix's roles is the fact that in The Dark Knight, the Joker is a supporting, is a supporting role. You know, like the main focus of those films is on Batman, even though Heath Ledger does steal the show. But on Joker, the film, the main role and the main character and the main actor is Joaquin Phoenix. Joker is an origin story. And we can talk a little bit more about that in a second because it's not, you know, it's not following necessarily the comics, but it's an origin story. And I think Alex put it really well in terms of this this film is Arthur Fleck. Arthur Fleck and his descent into jo- being the Joker. And then with Heath Ledger's role, he, he comes into the film as the Joker. They're two very different things. So I don't think it's fair to compare... The two of them, or even their acting in it, because you you're, you're the what they're trying to achieve is very different. Still, two incredible performances, regardless. We can say that much at
1: least. Definitely. So now I'm going to ask you for a rating on the movie out of ten. I want to feel. I want to hear what you're feeling.
0: Okay, on the film, this is. I'm not going to lie. It's going to be quite hard to review this because there was a lot that was brilliant about it, and then there was a lot about it that I found disappointing. So, for the moment, because it's still fresh in my head, I haven't fully processed it. I'm going to give it an eight. And Al, you can give me your number out of 10, and then we can break down why it is we've reviewed it at those rankings. So, for me at the moment, eight out
1: of 10. Okay, I would slightly undercut you there with a seven, and I would actually be nearer to a 6.5 than a seven.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm kind of 7.5 veering towards an eight at the moment. It's still fresh in my head. So, that's why it has a higher one. I think. Realistically, the longer I sit on it, it would get lower. And yeah, so I'll say why for me. So at the moment, I think how it's shot is stunning. Really, really, really beautifully shot. Like, there, it's not just his acting that really draws you into it. Like, the way how the whole film was set up, it's very easy to get immersed into the whole storyline and to just feel all the emotions that are happening. And I love the costumes. I love the. I love the setting of it. I think all I think design-wise, it's fantastic. Again, Joaquin's acting, brilliant. I think that the transitions between scenes are very good, particularly between his delusional parts where he thinks that he is on the, on the talk show before he ever makes the talk show or where he thinks that he's in a relationship with a person that he's not. I think all of those are brilliant because it kind of does make you doubt, like, wait, hold on, is this real? Is this not? However, for me, the reason why it's lacking in points is I just found... I don't know if it's that I found that it was dragged out or if that the plot was lacking, but I, besides the fact that I thought it was very well performed, I kind of came out just disappointed. Because I was kind of like, all right, okay, that could have ended sooner or there could have been more oomph. So that's where it's lacking for me.
1: Yeah, and I would kind of agree. What I would say, just to quickly pick up on something you said there, this whole movie could be a fiction of his mental health and his mind. And, you know, we see him at the end in that mental hospital. And that whole, there's a line from a, the comic books, I'm going to mess this up. It's something like the Joker, basically, he doesn't have an origin story in the comic books. There isn't an origin story. This is a this movie that we have here isn't from a comic book. It is a originally original creation, basically. Uh, But in the comics, Joker says something like, oh, I prefer my past to be multiple choice. And that kind of is telling it's the type of person that he is, that he kind of seems to make stuff up. We saw this even with Heath Ledger's Joker when he gets the knife and he's telling everyone how he gets the scars. And every time he tells people about the scars, it's a different reason. And there is evidence to suggest that this whole entire movie is is a made up reality that he's just retelling to his therapist at the end of the movie. So moving past that, back to my score i feel look it's a slow burn it's definitely a slow burn and anyone expecting a really like ball to the wall action movie it's not that it's far from it it's more a character piece and that's not why i don't like it but i think maybe because i am such a huge fan of batman and then in turn the joker a little bit more at the end would have made the entire movie more kind of of a success for me whereas when we get to the end yes okay you have the whole Murray franklin thing but like you said there was just there should have been something like a big set piece or a big, huge, just something big happening, and it it doesn't really come. And yeah, okay, you see him snapping mentally; his psyche, his psyche breaks. But there isn't a big set piece or an action sequence, or maybe that's kind of almost childish of me to want that. But there isn't a big climax. The climax is where it starts to fall short for me. I think going through the movie, I have issues with it. I feel like it's slow paced. I feel like sometimes. It's unclear about what's happening, but again, probably by design, I feel like also, yes, okay, it's a beautifully shot movie, but it's not a particularly, it's not a, it's not, entire, it's not that interesting of a setting for me to look at. I don't know whether you agree with that, but it's not for me. It's not like, oh, wow, I'm not blown away by the colors or anything. It's quite grim. It's grimy. It's dirty. Again, I assume by design, but that doesn't necessarily compute with me and my own personal feelings about what I want to be watching. But I just think it's a slow burn. And unfortunately for me anyway, the climax doesn't isn't big enough of a climax to to justify what we've kind of spent the last two hours looking for. That doesn't mean it's not enjoyable. Again, the acting, Joaquin Phoenix is incredible. And actually, I think it'd be an interesting conversation to have if we didn't have someone with the acting credibility of Joaquin Phoenix playing this role, how we would all feel about this as a movie on the on a larger scale. I think his acting alone is making like look. The movie trailers, the posters, movie of the year, it is far from movie of the year. It is not the movie of the year. And I think we can both agree on with that, Laura. It is not the movie of the year fully. And if anyone going into this movie is expecting to be literally blown away, I don't think it's that movie. I think overhyping might have a part to play in why my score is a little bit lower. So I would go in, if you haven't seen it already, first of all, maybe you shouldn't have listened to all our spoilers, but if you haven't, I would definitely go in there with not low expectations it's still a great movie but don't go in expecting to see the best movie of the year or even of you know the last six months because for me anyway it is not that it's still watchable it's still enjoyable the performance is incredible well it's worth it's worth going to see this movie just to see Joaquin Phoenix but don't go in expecting the world because for me anyway it doesn't give it
0: I think that's a fair assessment particularly because when anyone goes into seeing a DC based film you do expect action because that's what the comics are based on. Like they're based on, you know, a hero and villains and anti-heroes galore that are based around violence and lust and all, all of these massive, huge kind of, you know, themes. And in this, it's not, it's a very slow film, but part of me, that's kind of why I enjoy it because I agree in saying that it's not the film of the year because it's not. But I think the themes on which it's hitting are so important that even though it's not the film of the year, I think it is so worth viewing because it really causes you to think a lot about a lot of important things. And I, I, that's, again, why I'm happy that it's putting that whole, you know, mainstream film with such a huge lens that's going to get such a massive viewing, you know, in the spotlight, getting people to see that, getting people to view that and getting people to think. So I think it's important to view for that reason. Yeah.
1: So a much lighter topic to guess, but oh, yeah, even lot, more yeah. engaging on A lot lighter. A lot lighter. Yeah, a lot lighter. But I am living for it all. I'm of course talking about the Colleen Rooney slash Rebecca Bardi Twitter drama that we've been seeing over the last week, and like, look, I'm I'm living for it all. Basically. This kicked off last Wednesday when Colleen Rooney uploaded this. I love, first of all, if if you're ever typing anything in the notes app and you're screenshotting and planning and then posting on social media, you know there's like, you know it's going to kick off. So basically she wrote this big, huge, long, it's almost like an essay chronicling how she thought someone was leaking her per- personal information to The Sun, a trash newspaper. We don't want to even give them anything. They're crap. But basically she started trying to figure out who this was and she started making... These private stories and adding only single other people to it, and then making up base bullshit stories about herself, and then seeing whether or not the pi- the papers would run with the story. And basically, she figured it out. Apparently, she's her own little Agatha Christie, basically. And she figured out that the person who was leaking all these fake stories about herself to the newspapers was Rebecca Vardy. And it's the end of the, the end of the like essay is like it was Rebecca Vardy's account, and that is it's iconic now. It's literally that line as a line. And, like, talk about, like, wags as a general kind of thing haven't really been a thing in years. I feel like once Victoria Beckham got out of that life, there was no one, like, like who do we all know? Connie Rooney probably is the biggest wag. She's, of course, married to Wayne Rooney. Rebecca Vardy is married to Jamie Vardy, who plays for Leicester, who's, like, a much small... Like, a small-time player. Not a small-time player. He's a big in England, but, like, he's not globally known, probably. But the global traction this beef has gotten is huge because of course you have the added element of wayne rooney going to he obviously played for man united for like over 10 years but then he then moved to america so you have all these american people getting invested in it now and this whole wag world has just been revived like i remember looking at her tweets Colleen rooney's tweets and before this one she was getting like three or four thousand likes and it was like all very like oh yeah that's going to it like all kind of boring wag stuff this has at the last time of me checking anyway has over 250,000 likes on Twitter which is huge it's a huge thing that people are engaged with and like I think people are making it a bit more serious and well you know look okay this is people's real lives but I'm just finding it highly amusing the whole thing to me is highly amusing.
0: I think the fact that this went up on Twitter you cannot help but find this entertaining like, people are calling her Wagatha Christie, which is <laughs> killing me. It is iconic. That is it's iconic. And then the memes <laughs> that are coming out that are replacing the characters' faces with Colleen's and Rebecca's. Like, honestly, the entertainment value is through the roof. Through
1: the roof. So and
0: funny. what's hilarious as well is that it's so relatable. So say, for instance, I know who Colleen Rooney is because, you know, let's go back to the what, early to mid-naughties when wags were, you know, queens of the world. You know, we're, we're taking the world by storm. But Colleen and probably Victoria Beckham and then maybe Abby Clancy are the only three that I can still name that I know are still going strong. And then sure Sheryl was, um, was one at one time when she was with your man, Ashley Cole. Mm. But you can't really think of anyone anymore. So to be perfectly honest, what's kind of hilarious is to me anyway, Rebecca Vardy was totally irrelevant. Had you said her name to me, I never would have known who it was. But now she's fully on the scene everyone knows who she is because of this so it's terrible publicity for her because of the fact it just makes her seem really sad because she's selling you know not even interesting stories and to a terrible news source as well (laughs) but it's kind of gas because like i'd say she's probably getting good billings now and everything i'd say she's starting to make a mint from whether it be interviews or appearances or photos who knows but she can kind of thank colleen at this stage
1: yeah, they are both getting, I think, something from it. Like I said, even about the Twitter likes. The Twitter likes don't compute to money as well as something like Instagram likes do. But it's a like people are talking about Colleen Rooney for the first time that they have in years now. Granted, and in fairness to this girl, she has never been one for like she's always in the papers but that's more so just because of her husband's antics as opposed to her own and she seems to be a woman much more concerned with her family life and reminding her kids and her indeed her husband than any of the kind of celebrity lifestyle that wags of like yonder used to be obsessed with the only thing I'm seeing now is people are starting to kind of sympathize with Rebecca Vardy more so than before and I'd like to get your thoughts on that Laura because for me like look I think for me it's not a serious story and yes okay she's outed Rebecca Vardy But, you know, do I believe that Rebecca Vardy was doing this? I kind of think I do because I feel like you wouldn't come out unless, like, she's chronicling, basically. She was making private stories and adding only Rebecca Vardy's account to it and posting stories or, like, things that could be made into stories. And then these things were being leaked. And so, logically, I think, I'm kind of going with Colleen on this. I'm going, yeah, okay, this girl is leaking things. But I'm seeing more people push back the def- like, because Rebecca Vardy's defense of this whole thing is one, that she didn't do it. And two, that she's heavily pregnant and that basically Colleen shouldn't be doing this to a pregnant woman. And three, that she should have contacted her first. I agree with the last one that maybe if she did want to, f- like, you know, well, no, I do and I don't. Because in fairness, if you are Colleen Rooney and you think that this girl is leaking your stuff to the papers, what a way to get back at her for making your shit public by making her own shit public. And I kind of feel that there's a poetic justice to it there where she hasn't gone to a paper to talk about it and she hasn't called Rebecca Vardy to talk about it. She's gone, you're making things public so let me make this public. And she's just put it on her own personal Twitter account and kind of gone, by. She's literally like put it out there and I think she hasn't had much engagement Rebecca Vardy seems to be much more like in the papers talking to the papers talking to people giving interviews Colleen seems much more like she's kind of dropped the bomb and she's kind of just walked away and been like there you go and I love it I'm living for it all
0: I have to say so with everything involved the one thing that bothers me about it at all is the fact that Rebecca Vardy is pregnant I'm very protective over any of my friends who have been pregnant because I'm one of those people that I love I love details so they'll tell me about you know Anything that is stressful to do with this, like I'll be the person to listen because I love hearing all this stuff. So the idea of it causing any added stress to a pregnant woman, I hate that that bothers me hugely because I know how sorry I say I know how stressful being pregnant can be, not on a personal basis, but you know being told by my pregnant friends how difficult it can be and how stressful general life is, then not even having yourself thrown onto the front page news for being a snake, you know that's gonna add added stress that you don't need. So that's the one thing, to be honest, that's annoying me. But otherwise, when it comes to everything else, I highly admire the fact that Colleen Rooney didn't go sell this story to a paper herself. You know, because she's she's showing that she doesn't want money. If anything, she's trying to out a person for, you know, pretty much making any form of profit off of her own life, which to be honest, is pretty disgraceful at the idea of it. And I don't think that Colleen Rooney would have splashed this all over her Twitter knowing that this was going to go viral. Unless she was pretty darn secure in the fact that it was Rebecca Vardy. Like, you're not, especially, you're not going to pick some random wag who is no competition of your own, whose husband is no competition of your own husband's, like, you know, future career or anything. There would be no reason for her to pick your one Rebecca Vardy unless, you know, unless it was her. Because, you know, if you start weighing up all of the possibilities around it, why choose her unless there's a grain of truth there? So I admire the fact that she didn't go to a paper, you know, looking for profit. I admire the fact that she called someone out and what I thought was so incredibly intelligent that I didn't realise until I saw it on Twitter. Because, so the iconic line, it's dot, 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 Rebecca Vardy's account. (laughs) Pause for laughter. It's so good. (laughs) Pause for laughter. But but, uh, someone... Um, tweeted which I thought was so intelligent is that Colleen Rooney can't be done for slander because she never pinpointed it being one particular human she just said that it was a person's account which can be ran by anybody anyone in Rebecca Vardy's circle could have you know like her publicist or whoever if she has any of these people could have done it so hats off to Colleen again for being very intelligent there and then at the same time say for instance this was happening Sure, you could say she could have taken the high road and, you know, called Rebecca Vardy or whatever and sorted that. But at the same time, if you're pissed off and if you don't really have a personal connection then with this person, why would you bother calling them? Why not just out them? And because in a way, if you shame them in this way, they're not going to do it again. And also it's kind of a lesson for anyone else who would ever try follow a similar line of actions, you know?
1: Yeah, it's definitely making an example out of Vardy, and but like, okay, I understand what you're saying about the pregnancy thing, but I also feel like if she is the sort like the leak, I kind of feel like just because you're pregnant, it doesn't make you a kind of unmarkable target. You know, you can't put yourself up for something like this. And if this is true, see, this is the thing. I guess we are going off ifs, but assuming it's true, I don't think being pregnant is a reason for this woman not to be able to out you. And I feel like, you know actually what should be happening as opposed to looking outward you should be looking inward for like why did I do that to myself and not looking at someone like Colleen Rooney and going she's doing this to me and that's why I'm uncomfortable with it because for me I feel like the real victim here is actually Colleen Rooney and her family and her friends and everyone kind of associated with her and not Rebecca Vardy and maybe that's really harsh of me but I am a man and I don't have very many pregnant friends and I don't know much about pregnancy that makes me sound really ignorant but you know what I'm trying to say so I'm kind of like, no, Rebecca, like if you want to be treated nicely, be nice. And then I'll be sympathetic and then I'm like, leave that girl alone. But at this moment in time, I'm kind of like, to be honest, I'm kind of sitting back with my popcorn. I'm living for the whole thing. I would love if like some like TV show or something was like, let's get Rebecca and Colleen really to sit like, you know, like, like a courtroom drama or something. I would live if they did that. I would love that so much.
0: So I'll get back to that part. Of, actually, no, I'm just going to start with that bit because, because the only reason I can see that not working is they come across as two very vanilla people and I just can't see it being entertaining past five minutes. So I have a feeling that that's why nothing has happened. That no, that no, even like not even like, you know, morning talk shows have decided to take them on because I just, I can't see it happening. But because it, it is hugely entertaining. But to be honest, the most entertaining thing that has come from this is everyone else's reaction to the spat. Yes, it, I would agree. So if anything, let's get some of the hilarious meme makers on on TV shows and just get them to make continuous memes because that'd be iconic. I do agree with what you were saying a second ago, though, in terms of being pregnant does not make you immune, particularly because if she's been doing this for months now, she's been doing this while she was pregnant. So I'm kind of like you can't use that as a get out of frail uh, oh god what was I saying (laughs) radio (laughs) Um, guys radio live on air Um, but this does not get you a get out of frail oh my god oh my god you can't say it this (laughs) does not give you a get out of
1: jail for free card and it doesn't and you know if that's what she was going for which I feel like in fairness the initial tweet she sent out did seem a little bit like leave me alone I'm pregnant like no like that's not going to (laughs) happen especially not in the age of the internet now where you have people like who are buzzing like and they look like, like you said earlier, none of us were checking for Colleen Rooney and Rebecca Vardy a week ago. But now we are. And so they are benefiting from it, both of them. But look, I don't want it to cause any due stress, obviously. And I don't want her pregnancy to be affected. I, I'm, and I'm sure everyone, I think, is on that same page where we don't want that to be a thing. But also her being pregnant does not mean that we aren't going to talk about this story. And we aren't going to tweet about it and make memes about it because it's fucking gold. I just...
0: It's, it's one of the funniest things I've seen on Twitter in a long time. And it's because of the reactions. The reactions are stellar. And guys, because I found out this week alone and towards the end of last week that a lot of my friends didn't actually know about the spat. And it's because they're not on Twitter, because it pretty much has been facilitated by Twitter. So guys, even just literally look up hashtags of, you know, like Colleen and Rebecca or something like that, like, or it's dot 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 and like you're gonna get so many <laughs> yeah. funny memes coming up because it's so entertaining so for that alone like you don't need to invest in this you don't need to have an opinion but you can definitely laugh at how comical the situation is
1: yeah and that as our parting line to this topic is it's for me anyway it's all a little bit of fun and rebecca've already going to the courts and all it kind of like you know it is a bit like okay calm down like if it's not true you would laugh about it wouldn't you or at least I would I'd be like that's funny like that wasn't me but when you're trying to like prove that it wasn't you well I don't think she's trying to prove that it wasn't her I think she's trying to prove that what Colleen said was defamatory basically which she might get away with but I if we just look at this as a kind of funny story and it's a reminder it's kind of nostalgic almost because it kind of brings you back to those times when wives were like super super powerful and like a social elite and I feel like let's just have a bit of fun with it and revel in the gas of it all
0: exactly so Obviously, sorry for any undue stress on a pregnant woman. Would not want that at all for anyone who's pregnant. You know, unnecessary. But besides that, hopefully she's you know healthy and happy enough. And I'm just going to keep enjoying the memes.
1: Same. And so with that, I guess we have reached the end of our first episode. Back. Oh, it's of not season so good. two. Season two. Like I mean, guys, season two. We were renewed. By ourselves, like no one else had to renew us, it was just us, but it <laughs> happened and we're here. And I've, I really have missed it so much. And I'm so excited to get back into it, you guys. Again, all our usual things, please follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. We're at ITTO podcast. Well follow done, our, yes, I got it. That was like the first time I've ever got that. <laughs> but yes, welcome back and thank you for having us back. And we hope you've liked our first episode. I think we, there is still a little bit of fluidity with our podcasting. So, we will try to keep you guys up to date with the Twitter and again on our own personal Instagram accounts. I'm at Alex J. Riley. Laura, do you want to say yours out loud? or um, I'll
0: just spell it, guys. You don't need to hear me say the word, but I'm at L-O-R-G-A-S-M-I-C. Say it aloud yourself and you'll understand why I don't want to say that on air. Yes.
1: So, at Laura Galsman. Alex! That's <laughs> she's at. And yes, add us with any questions, feedback, anything, topics you want us to talk about. Because I feel like sometimes we do, we are looking for topics that you guys want to hear us talk about. But at the same time, we will only talk about things that we want to exactly. talk about. Exactly. Like so We did
0: actually get a tweet there. In the last 24 hours. Saying that someone was waiting for a breakdown of Lover. From um from Taylor Swift. So guys if you have any more ideas. Honestly send them to us. Because we'll mold them over. We can't promise that we'll deliver. But we will mold them over.
1: Yes. Do, like to address that tweet. I would love nothing more. But I feel like maybe the audience isn't ready for me. To talk about Taylor Swift album for about an hour. But we'll see what happens. If enough people ask for it. We will of course do it. So again. Thank you all so much for listening. Tell your friends about us. Share us on your social medias. And we will see you will see next you... Friday. Yeah, maybe next Friday. We'll see. <laughs> we haven't decided yet. We'll let y'all know. Check it out. Okay
0: Twitter. guys, thanks for listening.
1: Bye guys.